Okay, guys, we are we're going to look at uh, Genesis chapter 14 and 15 today. So we're going to do a second part here with Abram's life. So this is the second of four parts. Um, <clears throat> and again, we're not going to read these passages because they're long. We're just kind of we're doing an introduction. But I want to go through his life because going through his life is very important because it has implications later on. Okay. It has implications later on that need to be um, that, that need to be recognized. Okay, so the first thing we're going to see is in chapter fourteen, we see an interesting thing. We see in that day there were these kingdoms that are only mentioned here that existed there in Mesopotamia that are going to war against each other, and as all th as always with war, uh, they. Um, have implications for the people who are living there, okay? Have implications for the people who are living there. So um, so we're going to look, first of all, at the victory over the eastern kings, and you find that in verses 1 through 16. So here's what we find. Remember, Abraham and Lot separated. Lot uh, went over to uh, the... Cities of the plain, that's where Sodom and Gomorrah and other cities are. And, of course, Abram went in a different direction. And so here's what we're going to see. All right? So here's what's going on. First of all, the writer records that Lot found himself caught up in the rebellion against the eastern kings. Lot, record, the, Lot found himself caught up in the rebellion against the eastern kings. Okay, so here's what's going on. There's this war that's going on. He's over near the kings of Sodom. Now, here's what happens. You've got to understand, these are city kingdoms. And even though Lot is a herdsman, he's not at this point living in Sodom. But if you're out in the countryside around a city that's being attacked, you're going to go to a place of safety which is, that's when Lot probably took his family and whatever he could with him, his servants, and they went into Sodom to find security. Because if an army's coming, they're ravaging everything, right? They're, they're taking whatever they can. So he finds himself caught up in this rebellion against the eastern kings. Now you say, George, what do you mean rebellion? Well, these eastern kings obviously had conquered the area before, and this is, happens all the time when you read in the Old Testament, they then put the area under sub subjugation and then require those kings that they conquered to pay them tribute. Or they would come back and wipe them out again. So the kings, the cities of the kingdoms of the cities of the plain rebelled against the eastern kings. So that creates a problem because the eastern kings are going to come back and try to re-exert control over the area. So because the kings of the plain were defeated, Lot and his household were taken captive. So guess, guess what? Their rebellion didn't work. They get defeated. Now the problem is Lot and his household are taken captive. Now here's what they did back then. You've got to understand what they did. And you see this throughout the Old Testament, whether it's here in this time, the Abraham, 
or it's during the time of the Assyrians when they defeated the northern kingdom or when you see Babylon defeat them. What the plan was is if you went in and you conquered a nation, you took all of their best people, their educated people, their skilled craftsmen and everything, and you took them and took them somewhere else in your kingdom. You took them away from their place. So that would be like if somebody, let's say Clearfield conquered Kerwinsville, okay? That would be interesting, wouldn't it? Okay, so, yeah, you know, so if they conquered Kerwinsville, that would be like taking all the shopkeepers, all the, all the, all the technical people, people who, electricians and craftsmen, taking all, every, all the businessmen and stuff, taking them and hauling them away to another place, maybe over in northern Clearfield County somewhere, and making them settle there so they wouldn't be here again, and just leaving, basically, poor people. You know, poor people that they would administer to. And that's what they did back then. Now, and this was not good, because like the Assyrians, what they would do when they would haul you away is they put a hook in your lip and attached a rope and hauled you away. Do you understand? That was not cool. Alright? So, Lot and his family were taken captive. Now, here's what happens though. Abram gets word that this has happened. After receiving news of Lot's capture, Abram assembled his servants and pursued the kings. What? That just almost sounds too fantastic, doesn't it? I mean, how blessed is Abraham that he could just grab his servants and go after conquering armies? That's what's going on here. You know, he goes after conquering armies. So, also I want you to notice, look with me at verse 13 of chapter 14. The one who escaped, that is escaped from the battle, came and told Abram the Hebrew. This is the first time now that you're going to see in the text, in the, New, in the Old Testament, that Abraham is described as what? The Hebrew, okay? The Hebrew. So, now, here's what's going on. After dividing his forces, so he takes about several hundred men with him. So let's, can we admit that Abraham, Abram's got a lot of money if he's got several hundred couple of hundred men or so who've been trained to fight. Yeah, he's got, he must have some money. God has blessed him, okay? So after dividing his forces, he attacked the kings at night and pursued them to the north of Damascus. So he attacked the kings and pursued them to the north of Damascus. So he obviously, either through guerrilla warfare or whatever, attacks the kings, and he has a victory, okay? He has a victory over these kings. Now, so Abram rescues, it should be rescues Lot, as well as all the goods and people from the city of the plain. Now, this is amazing, isn't it? Abram, with his allies and his men, attack the kings. They rescue Lot, 
Lot's family, and then all the people from the cities of the plains, but not just that, their goods, the stuff that was plundered, okay? So he captures, recaptures all these people and sets them free. So we go on now, the text tells us that when he was returning from his victory, Abram was met by the kings of the plain. Now, hold on a second, that's got to be ironic, isn't it? So you're in one of these cities. Everybody gets captured, but who? The king. What does that tell you about that kind of king? Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, obviously he didn't he didn't go down with a sinking ship, right? Okay. And it wasn't just this one king, it was all these other kings from the cities of the plain. They they were out to protect themselves. Okay? So Abram gets this great victory, rescues all the people, he's heading back towards home, and he's met by these kings, okay? Kings of the plain. There's one king in particular that meets them, and he's not from the cities of the plain. His name is Melchizedek, okay? So Melchizedek, Mikilzedek, I keep my, I've been reprimanded for how I say that. Mikilzedek, the king of Salem, met Abram with bread and wine and blessed him. Okay? Met Abram with bread and wine and blessed him. Now this guy is going to be very important. He's only mentioned here as far as interacting with Abram only in Genesis. Now, he's referred to in other parts of the scripture, okay? And Hebrews will mention him later on. But what Hebrews says has no implication for right now, okay? We're just going to see him right now. So here is this king from Salem, which scholars believe is now called Jerusalem, okay? Jerusalem, if you look at Jeru. Salam, okay, Salem, okay, peace, Salem means peace. He meets Abram and, and uh, with bread and wine. Now, because he was a priest of God Most High, Abram gave a tithe of all to Melchizedek. He gave a tithe of all that he had to Melchizedek, because this was the priest of God Most High. All right, so stop. What does that tell you at this point in history? He's a priest of the God Most High. Okay, that's right, Bruce. There had to be other God worshipers at this point than just Abram. Okay, because God Most High is the same God that Abraham is worshiping. Do you understand? Same God. So at this point, there were others who were worshiping God because this is a priest of God Most High. Okay, and so Abram gives him a tithe. Now, what's a tithe? Some of y'all have been raised in Baptist churches. What's a tithe? You've been taught all your life what a tithe is. 10%, yes, it's, it's a tenth, okay? So he gave a tenth of what he had to the priest, 
okay, to the priest. <clears throat> now, now the king of Sodom enters into our discussion here, and the king of Sodom uh, basically told Abram to give him the people and keep the goods. So this sounds like, this sounds kind of fair, right? You went and rescued the people, you, you, uh, you got all their goods back, you know, I, I'm really appreciative of you, Abram, for what you're doing. Just, just give me back the people and you keep the stuff. You keep the stuff, okay? There's a whole lot more going on here, though, okay? A whole lot more going on here because here's what happens. Abram refused the king's offer, saying that he swore to take nothing lest others would boast. What do you think's going on here? He doesn't want to take the stuff. What do you think's going on here? Read the text. It kind of tells you. Okay, that's possible, Tim. All right, that's possible. But I think it's more of a little bit more of a practical answer. What were you going to say, Bruce? I was going to say basically the same thing other than later on we know what Sodom is pretty much famous for and I don't think Abram wanted to take things from a wicked king. Okay, all right, that's good. All right. It's a little bit more than that, though. Anybody else? Mike? I think he didn't want to be indebted. Yes, he didn't want to be indebted. And there's another reason. It goes out of, think what Mike's saying. John. Well, if he has all this stuff, then all these other kings are going to want to take it back from him. So now he's going to be brought into war again. Okay, that's possible, but that's not what's being said here. There's something actually more. Anybody got a clue? Now, it's not control. That's a good thought. All right, here's what I'm saying, okay? All right, here's, here's the scoop, okay? At this point, I want you to think for a moment, is Abram wealthy? Oh, of course we know that. I mean, he's able to gather an army and go after and take on a... I mean, I'd be like, George has enough means to take on Russia. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'd have to have some serious buckaroonies somewhere, right? Okay, all right, now stop. So he rescues all these people, and the king of Sodom says, well, you know, you just go ahead and take the goods. Abram says, no, no, I don't want your goods. Now, here's why. So that nobody says somebody made Abraham. Because if, if the king of Sodom let him keep all the stuff, later on the king of Sodom could say, well, yeah, I know that Abraham's rich, but it's only because he got to keep all that stuff from us. And Abraham is saying, no, 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 no. I, I don't need your stuff. God blesses me. Okay, so it, it's like a combination of a lot of what you're saying. But the point is a little bit more practical. He's saying, you're not going to be able to say that I made Abram wealthy. No, no, God made me wealthy. I don't need your stuff. Okay, I don't need your stuff. His trust is in who? God. Okay, God. So Abram refused the king's offer, saying that he swore to take nothing lest the others would boast. Now, Abram acknowledged that only food for his servants and a portion for his allies was taken. Now, there is there was a protocol back then that it would be normal 
It's a custom among the peoples, no matter where the, what group of people they were from, that if you were involved in something, you had the right to take from what was rescued a portion to, you got to pay the troops, right? I mean, seriously, they went from down near in Israel all the way up into Syria, pursuing them, and it's not like they had tanks and helicopters, folks. They, they had feet, you know what I'm saying? Feet chasing after them. I mean, if you're one of the servants, you're like, what's in this for me, you know? So they took a portion to take care of the people who was rescued, and that would have been normal and okay. And that's what he's saying here. A portion was taken for his servants as well as for his allies, those who were obviously Canaanites who helped to go after uh, what was going on. Okay? Now, now we come to where the covenant now is established with him, reestablished, okay? And we see that in chapter 15, and that's where we're going to spend the rest of our time, chapter 15. In verses 1 to 6, I'll read these to you. And these things, and after these things, that's referring to the victory over the eastern kings. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Then Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring. offspring. Indeed, no one is born in my house. No one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look, look towards the, toward heaven and count the stars if you're able to number them. And he said to them, So shall your descendants be. So shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now, Mark verse 6 in your own Bibles, that's faith. He believed in the Lord, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Paul will refer to that later on in his, his passages and so forth. So let's talk about the covenant. First of all, the promise of the seed. All right, so by this time, remember now, when we first met Abram, he was like 75 years old, okay? I mean, so he's no spring chicken anymore, all right? 75 years old. <clears throat> and at this point, when God meets him after the battle of the Eastern Kings, he's got no heirs. There's no children. They have no children, okay? And, but God comes to him and makes a covenant with him. So Abram expresses that he has no son to receive the blessing of the Lord. So God says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you all this. And Abram says to him, says, Lord, it's great that you're promising me all this, but I don't have a child to give it to. And I got my chief servant, Eliezer of Damascus. Is he supposed to get it all? You know? So God states that Abram's heir will be born to him and that his descendants will be numerous. Numerous. 
So he says, go outside, look at the sky, okay? And see if you can count all the stars. And it's impossible. So will your descendants be, he says. Okay? Now, and then here's the point. Abram believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Faith. Notice now, righteousness didn't come to Abram because of what he did. Righteousness came to Abraham because of his what? Faith. Do you understand what I'm saying? Your standing with God, ultimately, because Paul refers to this later on, has nothing to do with what you do. It has to do with your what, folks? Faith. Okay? Faith. Now, he goes on in verses... 7 through 21, and he um, establishes the covenant. Now, he's going to do something that you probably, as you read this passage, is going, you're going to be like, ooh, that's weird, okay? That's weird. So look with me, and I'll, I'll read it for you, verse 7. Then he said to them, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you the land you inherited. And he said, Lord God... How shall I know that I will inherit it? And he said to him, Bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And then he brought all these to him, and he cut them in two, down the middle, and placed each piece opposite the other, and he did not cut the birds in two. Then the vultures came down on the carcasses, <coughs> and Abram drove them away. You're like, whoa, this is weird. Boy, God's telling him to do something weird here. Actually, what he's doing here is, well, I'll refer to it here. Let's look at a couple points, first of all. The Lord identifies himself to Abram who requests a confirmation of the inheritance. Okay? So let's stop for a moment. You're... you're if I'm doing an interaction with Bruce, Bruce said, "Hey, I've got this. Uh, I've got this ATV. I'm going to sell you, George. How much do they go for? I don't even know. How much do they go for? A couple thousand? A used one? Okay, four to five. Hey, I got this ATV, George. I'm going to sell it to you. You're the first on my list, and I'm going to give it to you for a real good deal. Three thousand. Three thousand." Oh, yeah, man, I fork out my 3000 And then, but I, I can't give it to you right now. I'm going to give it to you in a month. Now, how, how do I hold him to it? We, we sign some sort of agreement, right? That in, in a month, because I've already given him the 3000 I receive this ATV, right? So that's called a, what, folks, a contract, right? And that's how our society operates, is on contracts. No different than back then. Only they were a little bit different back then about how they established contracts. Here, if you want to do a contract, you go to a notary and pay the notary to, to seal it, right? Back then, they did a little bit different, okay? It's called cutting a covenant. The Lord commands Abram to take and kill certain animals in order to cut a covenant. Now, this is not what we see here is not unusual for that time. So let's go back to this ATV that I'm buying from Bruce, okay? 
Instead of us going, if we were back then, and instead of an ATV, we're, I'm buying a camel from him, okay? A camel, all right? And, and Bruce tells me it's, it's a good camel, okay? So we're establishing this covenant, this agreement. I'm going to give him 3,000 pieces of gold or whatever. Well, that'd be a lot of money today. For, well, 3,000 pieces of bronze or something. Who knows? I'm giving him something, okay? What we would do is, is we would establish a covenant. Now, here's what they would do back then, is they would do the same thing with the same kind of animals, cut them in two. And you would have, like, a pathway with these carcasses on each side of them. And then I would stand on one end. Bruce, come here. You stand on the other end, and, and, and let's, let's, in your mind, picture these animals cut in two, and then what we would do is, is we would walk down the middle, maybe say some words or whatever, and we would enter into an agreement, and what they did back then is they would trade sandals. So I would take my shoe off and give it to Bruce, and he would take his shoe off. Shoe. No, I don't want your shoe, okay. <laughs> but first of all, my foot's a whole lot bigger than yours, Okay. But, and so what, and so then I would have his sandal and it would be a reminder of the covenant. Now, if we broke the agreement, the ancients said, so let it be to you as those animals who are cut in half on the sides. That's how they did agreements back then. It's called cutting a covenant. Thank you, Bruce. Okay. All right. So it's cutting a covenant. God's doing the same thing with Abram, okay? Because Abram would understand that. So they're entering into an agreement about the confirmation of this covenant, especially the confirmation that Abram's going to have a son born to him, okay? Now, let's go on. As Abram waited, he drove the vultures away from the animal carcasses. So he's like waiting all day. He's doing what the Lord told him to do. He knows what's going on. So he's like waiting for God to affirm this agreement. And he drives away the vultures. Because remember, it is the desert. It is hot in Palestine, okay, or in Cana, Canaan. Of course, there would be animals coming. And so he drives the animals away and he waits. Verse 12 through 16, the Lord speaks to him. Look with me at verse 12. Now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. Then he said to Abram, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, and will serve them and be afflicted for 400 years. And also the nation whom they serve I will judge, and afterwards... They shall come out with great possessions. Now as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace, and you shall be buried at a good old age. But in the fourth generation, they shall return here. For the iniquities of the Amorites is not yet complete. And it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between those pieces. And on the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, To your descendants I have given this land 
from the river Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the Kenite, the Kenzanite, the Kadamites, the Hittites, the Perzites, the Rephraim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Gergashites, and the Jezebites. Okay? All right, so let's talk about here. Here is the Lord speaking to him. First of all, as night approached, Abram fell into a deep sleep that was horrible and deep. So he just didn't just doze off. This was like something, the presence of which was terrible to him. Okay? The Lord told Abram that his descendants would be slaves in a strange land for 400 years. Now this is a prophetic statement. Prophecy is not just a prediction, because predictions can, can be true or not. Prophecies are what God says is going to happen. And of course we know that this is going to happen because who ends up being in Egypt for 400 years? Israel, his descendants, right? The Lord will judge their oppressors as they leave with great possessions. And we know from the book of Exodus that this does occur. All right? The Lord promises Abram that he will die in peace as he lives to an old age. Now, if you're Abram and you're hearing this, and you're like, well, my descendants are going to be slaves, what's going to happen to me? Isn't that a natural question? What's going to happen to me? God reaffirms and says, yeah, but you know, you, Abram, you're going to live to an old age, and you're going to die in peace. You're not going to have to worry about that. That's a pretty affirming thing. Now, your descendants, that's another story. Okay? The Lord stated that his descendants will be enslaved for four generations. And considering back then that they lived to be a hundred, that would be 400 years, right? Let's go on. The Lord alone passed through the animals in order to establish the covenant. All right, now stop for a moment. Remember what I did with Bruce up here? Bruce and I are entering into an agreement. We both both are saying that we are pledging ourselves to that agreement, and if, if we don't, let us be like the animals. Here is God establishing an agreement, a covenant, with Abram, and he's the only one who passes through. What does that tell you? It tells you that the covenant that he established with Abraham, is it based on Abraham, anything that Abraham does? It's based purely on who? God. Okay, let's stop for a moment. Let's talk about another covenant, the new covenant. The covenant that you and I experienced. Is it based on anything you do? No. It's based purely upon what who has done. Jesus, right? Isn't that awesome? That's the basis of salvation. That's the basis of what your faith is in, right? It's putting your trust in the one who made a covenant with you. And that's what Abraham is doing. Abraham's finding out. God's saying to him, I'm promising you a son. I'm going to give you all of this. Yes, there's going to be some difficult things that are going to happen to your descendants, but know that I'm with you, Abraham. And he establishes that covenant, and it's not based on Abraham. It's based, Abram, excuse me, at this point, it's not Abraham, but Abram, but it's based on who? God. That's awesome, okay? That's awesome. 
So the Lord tells Abram that he has given him the land of the Canaanite people to his descendants. He's given the land of the Canaanite people to his descendants. Verse 